Hello, and welcome to Rebel FM episode 394. I'm Anthony Gallegos, joined only by Arthur Geese. Just like old times, and God willing, this podcast doesn't get destroyed by yeah. a series of unfortunate technical mistakes. Well, we'll see. Uh, for now, none of our homes are on fire and the power's not out or anything else that befalls Jesus. so many people in this world. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know about you, but when I was outside earlier today, I was like, how come it looks like I'm living in like an industrial wasteland? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh. It's pretty bad. Uh, it's it. I mean, Fort Mason is right across from Sausalito. Okay, so it's just um, all blowing in. Yeah. Like, and I have a friend that works at a, like a nonprofit that owns a bar front down there, like right next to my studio. And she was telling me that it just like rolled in where she, they couldn't even see the Golden Gate Bridge anymore, really. Yeah, it really surprised me because I was, that's why I was like, wait, is there a fire? I had to look it up because I was like, what the fuck? Pretly big one. Normally you hear about it before it, it reaches us, but yeah, anyways. Just, it's like really bad fire conditions right now, so. Oh, video games. Video games. Uh, we did Extra Life. We did. It's a tinyurl.com slash RFM extra 2018 if you want to donate. Some people still have. I so. think, did you, you donated late, I right? I, I did because uh, some people mistakenly PayPal'd me money thinking they were donating. So I was like, <laughs> let me. Or give you bits or whatever. Exactly. So I was like, let me just kick all that in. Um, um, but yeah, it went pretty well. We we beat our first goal, which was 5,000. Um, it did it pretty early too i think it was like by 10 o'clock that night we had already yeah. had five thousand. yeah which is you know that's like pretty good and then mm-hmm. we bumped it up because i'm a masochist um and uh to seven thousand, and we also beat that so we did thanks everybody it's like thirty three thousand lifetime now no it's uh it's like forty three thousand. oh my mistake yeah from 1,056 donations over seven events. Man, it's crazy that... I thought you were going to say it was like 1,000 donations this last one. No, it wasn't actually that many donations, all things considered. It never really is. That's true. Um, It seems like most people donate $25 or more a lot of times. Yeah, I think our average is somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 um skewed admittedly by some people the people that, that dropped like 500 lot yeah fucking money um but yeah i think it's like 170 180 donations total which you know that's still that's great um it's super appreciated thank you everybody uh yeah we did that live rebel fm so maybe you guys heard that too that we did while we were recording that was a cool thing to do um and we played a lot of well, it's you know what actually surprises me is I always think I'm going to play a ton of games and then I don't play that many games. No, like we we, I think we total played less games this year. There was a lot of pe- you guys sitting on the couch playing together. Yeah, but I feel um, like there was like less than 15 games played the entire time. 
Yeah, you know, like, that that sounds right. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, actually not that much Bobo. No, a little bit late at night and a little bit at the beginning, but that was really it. I we so we had a pretty extended Bobo conversation that got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Uh how are you feeling about Bobo right now? I played a little bit last night and I've decided that I don't really think I'll play it much anymore until unless they add like a the equivalent of like a hardcore mode. I've I really dislike the at first I thought the perk system was kinda neat, but I really dislike it now. I feel like it adds a a degree of RNG that I really dislike because all the perks basically allow you to break the game some much more than others. Some are like small movement speed increases. That's fine. But like all the ones that modify sound is sound is such a big deal in a game like that. And so when people can just break the fact that they're going to basically make no noise, but move at full speed and stuff like that. Right. It just gives them like almost an insurmountable advantage. A lot of times. I mean, armor has also always struck me as pretty fucking problematic in that game, even more so than pub. Oh yeah, much more so than than pub, and it's like, yeah, it's, I think the thing I said in the podcast that got destroyed is the thing we realized is that it basically encourages passive play because when you get to the final circle, if you have armor, you're gonna have a huge advantage, and if you've had to play aggressively or you've fought people, you're probably not gonna have armor, and so it it really does pay to not play the way you would think you should play a Call of Duty game. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's I very different feel. I, and I have noticed, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the concurrence are like. I don't know what the streaming numbers are like, but I haven't seen people talk about it like yeah, really the, at all. The streaming numbers are still strong. And I feel like a lot of the battleground people swapped. Um, but, but How yeah, many of I them mean, swapped because they were, they're being paid to for like a couple of days. Some of them for sure. But I think a lot of them have stuck with it. I mean, a lot. the thing is, remember, we talked about this when we were talking about pro Dota teams and stuff that I was like, it was weird for me as not a pro video game person watching person that like all the guys that were on the pro team of all of the five guys that I used to be into that team for only one is still on the team. And right. All the, rest and the, the rest are not are not playing pub anymore. Right. Right. And so, yeah, a big part of it for them was just the game being borked and having to play it so much was. A really big problem with them. Though, today, Battlegrounds did put out a patch that says that they fixed most of the decent issues now. So, I'm curious to see that. And um, see how they were able to accomplish that. The rumor that's flying around right now is that it's going to come out for PS4 in December. That doesn't sound implausible. No, that sounds... Microsoft's had, what, basically a year of... It's been a year. Yeah. Ex- exclusivity, it was December, so. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which I would just imagine would be like the deal that they sign. That's kind of the deal they sign with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. in a way, like that's perfect. Like they got exactly what they needed out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause at this point the, the sort of like heat is off of it. Like it's still popular, but it's yeah. not like this driving the conversation obviously and Fortnite's on everything so yeah exactly at this point i don't see battlegrounds necessarily overtaking the other games that are already there in playstation but well there's not i don't know like there's still not a ton of like i guess there's a decent number of battle royale games on ps4 but the only one that anybody really plays it seems like is Fortnite. yeah for the most part and then call of duty and then probably h1z1 trailing that i would imagine yeah um 
Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly more curious now to go back to Battlegrounds. I feel like it's... If they really have fixed some of the bug issues and stuff, then I am curious to see what the make good on that actually looks like. Do you um, still have a lot of friends playing Bobo? No. <laughs> That's the other really? part of it. Everyone bounced off even faster than me. So, I, yeah. Man. Most of them got really into the regular multiplayer, though. Really? So That's I interesting. Just, that's the thing James and I didn't really like much at all, but, you know, it's cool. If people like it. I just couldn't get into it. Um, so, yeah, it's a little disappointing to have such, like, a quick, just like, oh, I love this thing, and then I'm, like, over it. But it's fine. We got other things that are coming out tomorrow. By the time... Probably most people hear this. I should have access to Hitman. Yeah, because you are a sucker and paid for the expensive version, right? Uh, that gold version, four yeah. days early access. Yeah. Um, what does that get you? Does that come with like the expansions? It does. Yeah, it's right. basically it's basically like all the things. It's it is the gold version. It's the gold version, just like anything else has a gold version at this point. Although a lot of gold versions, so I I didn't read the fine print. It might very well be that it's like everything between this calendar date and this calendar date, and then after that, the gold pass doesn't cover. You know, that's yeah. You you, you pooped, cat. Thanks for the <laughs> announcement. That's that's great. Thanks for for letting me know. Um, yeah. I I mean I I have it. Obviously, I reviewed it. And I got the gold version key or whatever, and it lists off the expansions as coming soon or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'll be curious as to what those are, if they're like story things, or, or just, just like more scenarios. Yeah, or like I mean, like Patient Zero or whatever was that a reworks. campaign. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's was, true. It was a micro-campaign built within the existing levels. Right, and yeah. to be fair, they were, like, a lot of it was, like, relit and very drastically sort of re, re-scripted and reorganized. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't want people to to write off how much work that still is. Like, it takes forever to light a video game level, especially a big one in a game like that. Yeah, um, it, de- it definitely brought some new life to some of the maps, playing yeah, that little mini-campaign. Um, I think Sapienza at night is much more interesting than Sapienza during the day. But um, uh, yeah, Hitman. Uh, I reviewed that game, and it's real good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things, like I went back, like I was doing some research to make sure that I didn't fuck anything up in my review, and uh, hilariously noted that I was one of the only reviewers name checked in Hitman 2016's Wikipedia entry. <laughs> uh, which is that was Absolution, weird. yeah. No, no, no. Uh, tw- Hitman 2016. Oh, wait. That's when that came out? Yeah. Oh, Absolution's more like 2014, huh? Fuck. No, Absolution is 2012. Oh, God. I still worked at IGN. I remember having the appointment. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I I reviewed three games at the same time when I reviewed Absolution. It was that, uh, Zombie U, and the Wii U. That was a really difficult weekend. <laughs> that was I a bet. fucked up weekend. Um, I remember going to sleep super late uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning because the embargo for the Wii U was at like 10 p.m. or something or 12 Mm -hmm. midnight uh, Pacific time and going to bed and then getting up at like 10 to publish another thing. 
on Sunday to write my zombie U review or the Hitman review. Maybe I think it was the Hitman review because the zombie U one was higher priority because it was launch software. Um, uh. But yeah, that was not great. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, Hitman 2016. I I forgot actually how rough that game was when it came out. Like it was like first of all, it was it was the episodic thing, so it was like. Right, the, you only had a limited amount of stuff to start with. Right, so it came with the training stuff, which is actually fairly involved, um, and Paris. Wow. And that was it. And it was super buggy. Um, it lost its connection all the time, which would basically kick you from the game that you were playing, because online and offline games are considered separate. Um, load times were fucking bananas. Um and even like getting into and out of the menu took forever. Like it just was not, it was like a super fucked up rough, um, package at the time. And it improved over time. And actually it got another update this year. Like when Warner brothers like published it again. Um, but, um, but going back and like looking at that, I'm struck by just how much more or how much less off putting, hitman 2 is right from the get-go and that like first of all like the whole fucking game is there like it's no not episodes. like i'm not i'm not waiting for another episode to come out which is like a pretty shitty way to experience hitman in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah, i didn't like, experience that way which i think has contributed to my increased enjoyment because i had the whole game before me at the time i do think that it managed uh, it's funny i think that it, it was a shitty way to experience hitman it does seem like it was a good means for them to keep buzz up more than it would have been if it had just been a game that came out all at once. Hmm. Um, because there were people that really liked that game, like with sort of followings on social media that would talk about it like every six weeks, basically whenever a new episode came out. Um, but it was clearly like a game that was made under severe financial considerations like that that's like the game that almost ruined io and like looking at square enix's financial stuff now it seems like it was one of the games that like has been a real problem was a real problem for square enix's bottom line um and uh yeah i hitman 2 just initially doesn't feel that way it's like it just like has a different vibe but Hmm. but I like, do you remember the cutscenes from Hitman? Uh, yeah, I've seen them more recently. They're... Like they were like super nice, like well animated, like totally acted like pre-rendered cutscenes. Right. Um, the cutscenes in Hitman two, nobody moves, including their mouths. Like okay. elements in a scene move around and there's some effects and like ambient weather shit sometimes, but it's like all, it's almost like a like an, interactive comic or something. It's like a, it's kind of like a motion comic. Okay. And it's really fucking weird. And like all the voice actors are still there and it goes through all that stuff. And it like, but it shows like extended views of these people speaking with their mouths, not moving. And it just feels incredibly conspicuous in a way that's like really distracting. Like it's the one thing, or I guess one of two things in the whole package that feels like, like a real serious fucking compromise that, um, they kind of bugged me. Um, especially considering that it just continues the story from the last Hitman. Hmm. Um, like it picks up. Which like I vaguely exactly. remember. 
Yeah, it picks up almost exactly where the last one left off. Um, and also ends on another cliffhanger. It is like it is the second season of Hitman, regardless of what the game is called, regardless of what they they like say about it. Like it is definitely Hitman season two. I was gonna say it, it seems Hitman like it, maybe this is the game that this has started out as the idea of season two, what they would have released had they kept it as a seasonal thing. Yeah, and, and I mean I mean that seems obvious to me. Also like the turnaround time on this game is really fast. Because they didn't finish releasing Hitman episodes until, what, like November of 2008, 2016? Does that sound right? That sounds right. And like two years later, they've turned around in a full other game. And like Hitman 2016, it was like a four-year gap hmm. between Hitman games. So, and amidst all this, IO clearly had like all that publisher shit where they like, Square Enix like cut them off and let them keep their name and then eventually decided just let them keep the Hitman IP and then Warner Brothers picked them up and there's like a good like two or three months where I think people thought we were just never going to get another Hitman game. Oh, for sure. Um, and so it's kind of a miracle. And so that make that inclines me to forgive the fact that the cutscenes are bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the story is interesting, but the cutscenes are just like really jarringly sort of like feel like placeholder stuff that they just decided to ship. Well, especially because like you can play the Hitman 1 missions in Hitman 2. So then I imagine you see those awesome cutscenes, and then you go to this and you're like, what? Yeah, so that that's definitely the coolest thing about the game is that like if you own Hitman 2016 and also own the DLC, like any Hitman 2016 stuff that you own can be brought into Hitman 2. Um, and I think that the way it works is like you go into the in-game store in Hitman 2016, um, and there's like a thing that like takes you to the legacy pack to claim, Mm. like you claim the legacy pack, it downloads, but it's not content for Hitman 2016. It's content for Hitman two. Um, and then when you load up Hitman two, uh, like from the menu, it actually just lists all of it. Like all the, all like when you go to destinations, like it lists all the destinations from the first Hitman game and from the, the patient zero stuff. Um, and not only can you play all that stuff in Hitman two, but all of the sort of lighting upgrades that they've made, all the crowd behavior upgrades that they've made, like the guard and enemy AI improvements that they've made are present. Oh, that's in- crazier than I thought. Yeah. I, that's, I thought it would have just been loading old shit. No, so like all the systemic stuff that they've changed is present in the levels from Hitman 2016 in Hitman 2. Damn. Um, and also like the mechanical improvements, like yeah, it's almost Hong like Kong. giving it. It's like giving an engine upgrade to the old game. That's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, and design. Like you can bring the the suitcase is back, mm. like, which was the thing in previous Hitman games, and like you can use the suitcase to smuggle in like shotguns or long rifles or the sniper rifle um which you couldn't do in hitman 2016 because there was no case like you could drop them at an ica pickup right and then have to get to it yeah you couldn't bring it in where whereas that is like a a thing that you can do in this Um, man that changes a lot of things wow yeah um and also 
like those things are nice, but the biggest change that Hitman two makes to the franchise is that, um, like these games have always had like funny and interesting sort of narrative side shit. Absolutely. Like little stories that you would find that may or may not have anything to do with ways to kill targets. Like a lot of times they would. And then like a lot of times to figure out the sort of Rube Goldberg way to kill a target, you had to walk around and listen to people talk and sort of do like a weird stalkery search of the level. Seek the opportunities. Yeah. And in this, um, like it much more clearly delineates those things and, and gamifies them. And that like, there are very clear mission stories and in every destination that either give you additional information about the targets or, fulfilling that mission story is a special kill on the target. Mm. Um, and so it's basically like a new kind of breadcrumb trail slash incentive system to see all of the shit that is in a Hitman game that has almost always been there, but would be really easy to miss, especially if you're not someone who has played and sort of understands the franchise, like very fundamentally. Yeah. Um, they, they still have elusive targets and, they do. Um, one thing I will say about the mission stories, though, is that the like, it's a little aggressive with it initially. Like, it's like it turns it on and it sets up waypoints in the level for you to go to. Uh, so okay. it's like, hey, here's where you pop a mission story. Oh, you got the mission story. Here's where the next mission story part is. Who knows what it'll be? But this is the next thing, um, which can kind of take some of the magic out of like investigating and figuring out. Yeah. Just stumbling upon it. Yeah. Um, also my camera just went super blurry, which is hilarious. There we go. I don't know. Maybe it's just going to stay that way. Maybe I'm just going to be a blur for the rest (laughs) of the show. Um, it's like an abstract painting. No, this would still be considered representational. No, Um, I'm talking to the wrong person to fuck up that. Yep. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so like I definitely had to, to turn that off um, because it was just too much. Like it was way too aggressive. Um, and I felt I feel like, like that's the smart way to do it. Yeah. For if you want to discover, just turn that off. Yeah. Um, and I, and I mean, like people have been complaining about sort of baby mode shit and Hitman for since Absolution, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the instinct stuff and absolution definitely made people annoyed because like you, you could see through walls Mm. and people in pissed like hardcore hitman fans off that like you like, how dare you make an accessible hitman game? Um, and I think that relatively accessible, it's still a pretty complex thing, even with that. Yeah. I mean, absolution was, was much more linear at least true um but uh but yeah i so aside from the fact that the mission story stuff is a little heavy-handed it's still really cool and also there's no way to get all of them on a single level playthrough like it is impossible um and so when you finish a level um like it ends in it in it automatically prompts you to play again and to, to unravel the other like 
the to to unravel the other mission stories right and the like other it ways really to kill this guy and yeah, yeah they really really want you to fucking like go through and do everything before you go to the next thing and the reason for that is there's really not that many missions in the game um i was wondering like, about that because really there's like what in hitman 2016 there's like six i think or no so in hitman 2016 there's uh there's Paris, Sapienza, Morocco. Um, is it Thailand? I think Thailand. Oh yeah, you're right. Bangkok, uh, Colorado, and Hokkaido. Right, you, that sounds you, right. You got them right. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the training missions. But those, so those six main missions are huge, full levels. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, Hitman Two has New Zealand. New Zealand is the intro level, and it's really cool, but it's also extremely small. Like it's super, super small. That's kind of how like the training mission boat thing was. The first training mission was a little right. small. Except that stuff is also in Hitman Two. Like, mm. the game actually takes you back to that and makes you redo that training so that it can teach you some of the new shit that's in the game. I see. Um, so, that's in the game as well. Like, that's a thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, there are really only five proper, fully featured levels in the game. Like, which is... I mean, it's just less. It's less... Less levels than the last game had, like, functionally. For all intents and purposes, there are less uh, levels in the game. Um, Mm. So, that kind of sucks. Like, there's just no way around it. It just, it really kind of sucks. Yeah, because it sounds like, unless you really want to go and try and chase every uh, potential, like, kill that you could get in a level, you could probably get through it pretty fast, I imagine. Like, it wouldn't take that Um, long. I wouldn't say that because there's a lot of targets and like most missions have at least three primary targets to, to get like, which is, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the ones in the first hitman had one a lot of times. Yeah. Like one or two, like, and there were some that had three, like Sapienza, I think had three, right? Maybe no Sapienza. I think what I'm remembering is that the, uh, the DLC campaign, almost all of those had two, if not three, um, had two, if not three targets. Um, they definitely patient zero felt like them experimenting for what they were going to do with Hitman two. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I, it's not that there's not a lot of stuff to do in the game and like, some of the, le- like, the levels in Hitman 2 are, by and large, fucking gigantic. Like, they're huge. They are These are by far the biggest levels that have been in a Hitman game, and all of them, except for New Zealand, are easily as big as the biggest levels in Hitman 2016, if not larger. Like, I, these are the most sophisticated large levels that the Hitman games have ever seen. So if you've been complaining about Hitman levels being too small and not complicated enough since blood money, you can shut the fuck up now because like, I feel like one level from Hitman two would be enough to hold every mission from Hitman blood money. Damn. Like, um, like it would take a good amount of time just to run from one side to the other. 
uh, in a lot of these. And a lot of them are also vertical as well. Like they take place in structures that are very tall um, or have multiple very tall structures. Do they still have the tools to allow people to make their own levels? Or like, not their own levels, but... Contracts. Yeah, yes. the contracts are still in the game. Um, and that's good. I did, I mean, I haven't played any of them. I don't, I also never played any of them for Hitman 2016, because that's not... I don't... It really takes something incredible and not just hilarious for me to play user-generated content most of the time. But, um, but all that stuff is here. Yeah. Um, so, I... It's really good. Like the game is really good. Um, and I want to go back in and start finding some of these other mission stories and like doing some of these other kills. And in a way, like it's kind of impressive that it doesn't the in, in hit in like Hitman blood money and like a lot of the other Hitmans, it feels like there's one really good way to kill somebody like one really good, clever way to kill somebody. And in this, it seems like there are multiple funny ways to kill people and multiple like ways to get into places. Um, Hmm. And a lot of the time I spent in the game was spent fixating on a specific way to get in and not being able to make it work. And finally just saying, you know what? Different path. We're going to do something different (laughs) because People are seeing me hit this guy, this guy in the head with a brick over and over again, and I just can't do this again. I can't do it again. Um, but uh, it just it feels like the le- the least friction or forced space between what I creatively want to do to solve the problems in it and what the game allows you to do, like you can knock someone out with a muffin. <laughs> this is an I, example. Like, okay. Like in the, in Hitman 2016, if you wanted to instantly knock somebody out with a melee attack, like you just had to hold an object and hit them with it. Right. Um, and in this, like there's a level that has a bunch of muffins in it as like a plot device and a, like a MacGuffin. And if you're holding a muffin and go up behind somebody, you just like <laughs> smash them in the back of the head with a muffin and knock them out. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, where you can throw a muffin to distract someone. Does this game still have all the really stupid, but in the best way, incidental dialogue as well? Like, yeah, your two characters don't be like, I don't know. I heard you could do water enemas or something like what? Yeah. There's definitely lots of goofy shit. And also like, it doesn't sound like everybody is from America. Okay. Now, like you go to India like and it's like a very very crowded map and it sounds there it there's a lot of people speaking english but it's people speaking english with indian accents and a lot of people in, in india obviously speak english because colonialism um yeah. and miami i'm pretty sure i heard a decent amount of spanish that's pretty and cool there's a level near the end where i feel like there's an extended bit about tomb raider oh wow yeah except it like portrays the tomb raider conceit is like fundamentally fucked up and awful oh so there was a time where i would have said that was not that was pretty accurate i mean isn't it though isn't it still isn't tomb raiding still in fact bad doesn't the tomb raider games say that tomb raiding is bad now no that's true oh yeah if we're just talking about the tomb raiding part not to but in the old games not only was she like a 
a character of her time, we'll say, to be sure. Yeah. But also she just murdered every animal she came across and yeah, broke every piece of pottery she came across. She was just like there was no care or even like Indiana Jones level thought of like these things are precious. It was just, yeah, can I shoot it with my guns or not? (laughs) I don't know. Um but yeah, I I think that like I'm seeing some people who seem like they were on the fence about the last Hitman game, but are interested in Hitman 2. And I think that the way that the legacy stuff works and and the quality of the game makes a really good argument for getting into it now. Because if you don't own the original game, you can just buy it and claim the legacy stuff and directly import that into Hitman 2. Um, and also, like the game is slightly different in its original incarnation, so you could play it twice and do it slightly differently and just see more stuff. Uh, the second time, or you can just play all of the content in Hitman 2's engine, which is just like it is the most seamless, like customer friendly way I've ever seen anyone do anything like that before. Um, and it's really encouraging. Um, and I played on Xbox One X, which means that it had like the cool graphics options, which is nice, but. Uh, one of the mechanical additions they add is grass, like, or like brush that you can hide in. Like it's a fucking Assassin's Creed game or Horizon Zero Dawn. Like you can hide in grass, like stealth. You can also hide in crowds. Like if you stand in a crowd, there's like a white circle that appears around you and you're hidden, like you're concealed. And the same for, for brush. Like if you're in brush, a white circle appears around you and a thing appears on the map that tells you you're concealed, Mm. which is neat. Very different. Yeah. It's good to have that. Um, it feels like anything with grass or water, like, like waves just kicks the ever loving shit out of that game's engine. Hmm. Um, and running at what I presume to be like a full 4k image just kills the frame rate at points, like in the mid to low twenties, if not a little lower at spots. Yeah. Um, but there's also a frame rate mode, which drops everything to 1080p and tries to run the game at 60 that runs pretty smoothly actually. And so generally I will take 10, 4k 30 in a game like this on my TV, but there are times where it's just not, I was just like, this is just running so badly that I had to change the option, which thankfully you can do whenever. Oh, okay. It doesn't require a level Um, restart or anything like that. No. And also, um, Something that suggests to me where the next generation of consoles are going is that, like, one of the things about the Xbox One X when it came out was that, like, they taught Microsoft and some other people talked about how any game that used dynamic resolution um, would automatically run better on an Xbox One X because it was faster, it was more powerful. Like, it didn't even need to be optimized. Like, it would just automatically use some of the the, the additional power to run better, um, and then as like they were as these companies were like sort of adding frame rate modes and like resolution modes like they would lock resolution modes to 30 and let frame rate modes try to hit 60 and often they wouldn't hit 60 um and there was a suggestion that if companies would just give like a third option which is to run as high re- high resolution as it could and unlock the frame rate to try to run the frame rate as high as it could over time if there was another sort of stopgap generation of consoles or say this software worked on another 
piece of hardware that was more powerful, like it would be able to run that game even better. And this is a game where there is a, is everything okay? Yeah. I thought I heard Uh, a helicopter. You might. I mean, uh, (laughs) there's, there's a resolution mode and a frame rate mode and the resolution mode allows you to let the frame rate be uncapped or to cap it. So theoretically, if at some point you were to put this on a Xbox platform that that played it, that's more powerful than an Xbox One X, it may it may run the game at 4K 60. I see. Um, and I think The Witcher Three does that as well. Like the frame rate priority mode has a dynamic resolution. Um, so that's interesting to me. It's also really pretty. Like the game starts out real in like it starts out at night as like you're taking a boat ashore to a beach in new zealand with like a full moon and it's just like fuck looks fucking incredible i thought the last one was pretty good looking too so i'll be curious to see yeah this one looks better okay um but yeah hey man two it's a good game it's a good ass game you and reviewed you... it for variety okay um and now i am starting to review battlefield five or v for variety although i barely even started that is that out for like early access for people now is that what it is EA access i think it's up now okay yeah i saw some people playing it today um which is good because the only way that i'm gonna get any multiplayer time in for review before it comes out was um would be to play with people playing the early access version um so yeah, we'll we'll see how that works out, but um there's there's only 3 war stories in that game. There was there was like there 5. 5? I was going to say 5 uh, or 6, I think in the last one. Um there was the tank commander, the, tank, the plane, the pl- the pilots, the Lawrence the, of Arabia lady. Well, you're forgetting the Spanish dude with the body armor, Spanish RoboCop. Oh yes, the Italian, Italian, Italian. I think yeah, it was Italian. It's a, no, no, no. He was Spanish because the Italians are fascists. I thought maybe you played as an Italian. No, it was the Spanish dudes, like in the hills, um, because they were communists. Uh, there was the New Zealander, or was he Australian? He was Australian. And Anzac, yeah, he was New Zealand. Uh, is New Zealand, and then there's the Lawrence of Arabia campaign. That's right. In addition to, like, the intro mission, so that's, like, I guess technically six. Whereas this has three war stories and, like, an intro mission that I think is executed far worse than the intro mission of Battlefield 1 was. Like, it, like, zips around time and, like, different things and also has you play as Nazis, which is not a good look. In my opinion, I think that they really could have saved us all from having to play as like sympathetic Nazis in Battlefield Five. I don't really know that we're there yet. In fact, I think we're further away from being able to do that now than we were like six or seven years ago. Oh, I feel like six or seven years ago that it was not uncommon to see uh, things that portrayed some some Nazis as you know serving conflicted, well, or as serving against their will, right? Like uh. I watched some movie. It was about a little girl and her family was housing. a. uh, they were hiding a Jewish man and her dad was conscripted and became an unwitting 
Nazi fighter. The, I can't remember what that was. The book thief. God damn it, Arthur! Yes, the book thief. It was on, it was Jeffrey Rush was the dad. It was Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Yes, that was on HBO like a million times. I think I've seen that movie <laughs> in bits and pieces from start to finish. If I had to hazard a guess, oh, man, of course I just had um, to. Of course you would know. Of course, I'm that fucking guy. Apparently, um, yeah. I feel like in the year of our Lord 2018 is not the time to release some DLC of a of a of a relatable Nazi defending Germany from the Soviet advance. It just seems like bad form. And also that's not even in the game yet. There are three war stories and there's DLC coming. That is that war story. So that it just like right off the bat, looking at the campaign in this game, it feels unfinished, which is not a good look for a game that just got delayed for a month. In my opinion. Uh, just to clarify for it isn't it. You do play an Italian in battlefield one. Do you what? Yeah. You play as uh Oh, because it's Luca World Vincenzo. War I. Yes, yes. So that's how they could. That's how they could right, do it. Yeah. That's why they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Before the time of Mussolini. Right. Yeah. Although the shit that happened in World War One very clearly set up the of course situation of course. for yeah, yeah. Mussolini and Hitler and yeah 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 um yeah. Oh, anyway, th- that's disappointing to hear about the uh, the war stories were were like I was vaguely was interested really in Battlefield One, and then I played through the war stories, and I was like, I think I like this game, and then I played the multiplayer, and I was like, I like this game. Yeah, I will have to. I'll I'll see what happens. Like I'm not writing it off, but like I'm not like I played it for a bit today before we recorded, and I was like not feeling it yet, and I hope that that changes. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> What what about the Quiet Man? I did not play the Quiet Man. We, you saw more of the Quiet Man than I did. I left the apartment during extra life. Ah, for whatever reason. Right. Our good friend James Faulkner decided that he wanted to play the game that literally everyone has said is one of the worst games of the last several years. It was. It's called the Quiet Man. Um, you play as a deaf, the Quiet Man, a deaf character. And the game, the first thing it does is you go through its very limited menu options and it says, do you want to enable subtitles? And then when you enable it, it says, just to let you know, we know you just enabled subtitles, but we're but only going to show subtitles if we choose to show you subtitles. Which is functionally never. Like, I don't think that... No, it's like you see them in the very beginning. The very beginning of the game has spoken dialogue and then it cuts out and it never has dialogue again after that. And yeah. it's, there will be like six to seven minute cutscenes that are FMV cutscenes. And uh, they are fully quiet. There's no volume. You have no idea what's being said. And at first it was hilarious. You know, uh, the Giant Bomb guys compared it to the Bouncer, and that seems pretty apt. It's basically just you experience an FMV cutscene, and, and then you do a beat-em-up fight. And then you do an FMV cutscene, you do a beat-em-up fight. And that's pretty much the entirety of this three-hour game. Except there's, like, nothing redeeming about it. Uh, at first, I was like, "Oh, the environment art of this game is actually pretty good." And, and some, some of the character models, like in materials stuff, looks good. It's running on on I think the same engine that Final Fantasy uses, which is capable of doing some pretty impressive looking shit. Yeah, but uh, it's just it a, doesn't remain impressive. It seems like it's like a, if someone showed me, like if I was a publisher and someone showed me this, and they're like, "Here's where we think we're taking this thing." I'm sorry, we don't have final audio. 
Also, like, you know, we have a lot of animation problems, you know, okay, okay, I'm seeing an early version of the game, but this is like the ship product, and it's just really, 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 really bad. It looks like a behind-closed-doors Judges Week demo of a game two years before the game comes out. That is exactly, yeah. So it's like, hey, you know, we're going to get the, the animations to interpolate right and stuff like that, and we're going to have blends, and none of that is there. The dialogue's missing. It just, it things constantly like break break yeah just like, straight up break. We, james couldn't finish the game because yep. it like first of all the checkpoints are atrocious uh yeah. and it's arbitrarily difficult in spots where it doesn't make sense and it broke in the same place for him twice yeah and, and, and he I, just refused to test his spirit against it again I, after that i checked the steam reviews too and there's several people who've complained about specific boss fights having the killing blow basically and then it not going anywhere yeah and it's just in the limited time you do see the characters, there's like nothing interesting about them. The story is like, even the presentation Garbage. of it is, is like really bad, like art school movie or something is what it it's feels like. It's sexist, cliched garbage. Yeah. It's just, it's just poor. It's just poor all around. And the most fun we had with it was trying to make up our own version of what the story was about. Cause the game is just, and it's, it's just incredible because you know, it's it's the human head guys um, who, in the past, have done some good work. Uh, and it in was the distant past, granted. Right. Did uh, they do? They were they doing Prey Two? They were. They were doing Prey yeah. Two until Bethesda took it away. Uh, other games they made was the 2006 Prey. So you know that that one was. They're working on Rune again. Rune was the Viking game. Yeah, and they're making another one right now. Um, I um, guess I guess they did some work on Defiance, and then oof. and then they've had a lot of just games that were pretty like Blair Witch games and stuff like that. Like, so they've they've been they've been troubled for quite some time. But yeah, this game is just like it feels like it was like a pet project of some because a lot of the all the FMV stuff is filmed. It, the, all the credits are Japanese even though the actors aren't Japanese. And so I was like, I wonder if this was just like some pet product of somebody at Square or something, and they're like, I really want to make this thing. Yeah, Square is having some pretty big problems right now. They just wrote off like $30 million worth of development costs on Final Fantasy XV and canceled like a shitload of very high-profile DLC. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the lead, the executive producer on Final Fantasy XV left the company like this week, like a couple days ago, like yesterday, actually. Yeah. So James just wanted to make sure we told everyone, don't, don't, don't look at the quiet man. It's not, it's not even funny. Like they, uh, they're patching in this week, a patch that should add a uh, dialogue, but only if you do a new game plus is my understanding. So you have to beat it once. And then the second playthrough it'll have all the FMVs and everything actually be voiced. So you could actually know what the story is supposed to be about, which it's just crazy. I just don't, do you have to play through it to get the second one? That's, that's was my understanding, but I don't know if that's true, but even if you don't, it's just not even worth one playthrough. Like there's just, there's very little, there's basically nothing redeeming about that game other than just some striking yeah. look environments. Just that's don't pretty don't, much it. Don't do it. It's not, don't do it. I don't, I don't, a lot I don't of, understand. A lot of people were like, oh, this is like a video game version of The Room. 
Uh, but no. the ro- but the room is like a fun collective group experience you can have, and it's just a passive thing, so you can just sit there and like watch the train wreck. But this requires and it runs from start to finish. Like you don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's not gonna just not work. Exactly. Like, it it will do what it does. Yeah. Whereas it, this does not. Yeah. Just what a weird thing. Uh, I just don't do it. Um. I also played this game called a little bit of this game called One Hour One Life that just came out on Steam. It's a game where your character it's a persistent server where everyone starts in the Stone Age and the first person who joined the server was that server's Eve and the next person who joined will be born from her. And then that over the course of an hour every minute you age one year and and so as more and more people join, they all are born from this this one woman to start. And then eventually there are multiple women giving birth to children. But each baby is an actual person that's just joining the server. So you have to join as a baby when you're born. And then as you get older, like eventually the idea is that over the course of months or years, players playing this game will slowly change the face of this world into actually like a technologically more advanced thing through the crafting systems and with the server, by the time I joined the server, I was born, and then immediately, a, a, a woman grabbed me and put me on a fur blanket to keep me warm, and then, uh, and then, and then breastfed me. So, uh, it's what all is this game. It, it it looks a lot like Don't Starve, as far as what like, is it the called? Arsa. One hour, one life. Um, and it's 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 really strange. Like when you start as a baby, everyone can chat to each other. But like, uh, when you, as you get older, you get more chat, you get a larger character count of what you can actually type. So when I was a baby, I could only type two letters. So I could say ma, and then, you know, the, the, whoever was playing this woman character would know like, oh, wait, I got to feed this baby so it doesn't die. Right. So sounds, you could make sounds. And by the time I was like eight, I could start to type out full words. And so this old man came up to me and he's like, Hey, let me tell you the story of how I got your dad's watch. And I was like, oh, I see where this is going. I've seen Pulp Fiction. And that's exactly <laughs> where it went. Um, but it was just funny because I... a comfortable lump of metal up my ass. Yeah, <laughs> but as I was sitting there and he was telling this story, I would say things like, watch. And he'd go, he'd stop his story and go, that's good, good, watch, yes. And then, I, you know, just like... And the reason I ended up walking up to this old man at first is because as he got old, he realized his teeth had fallen out in the game and he could now only eat berries. He could no longer consume the other food because he didn't have teeth anymore. It's just a really weird thing that I'm, I'm going to, I'll talk more about it when I play it's, more. This but, sounds like your shit. I mean, it I'm is, not it is super bizarre just being born to someone who then starts taking care of you. But then that person walked off. And so then another woman came by and suckled me so that I didn't die. So it's like in the time I was existing, it was very caveman, just like vill- villagers and everyone gathering and working together for very subsistence living. I mean, it just came out today. So that's not a surprise. The server hasn't gotten anywhere but it just seemed like a lot of people were playing it was people everywhere so yeah it was it was pretty crazy and i guess i've heard up to like you and three of your friends can join and you'll be born as like quadruplets to one woman great great (laughs) you can be a uniquely large burden on on another player (laughs) yeah perfect and you can and you know when you're a baby they can grab you at any time so i i started with one person who grabbed me and tried to put me in a fire so does yeah. that work? Can no. they do that? No, they can't. Uh, 
But it was hilarious to see it when I figured out that that's what they were trying to do. You have like the person the who's role playing a mother with Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. The other game I tried but eventually gave up on was that new Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, um, so you stopped, huh? I did. So this game, my understanding of the history of this game was it was started by Frogwares, the people who made uh, those somewhat popular uh, Sherlock Holmes games. Mm. And, and then it ended up taking them a long time and they lost the contract and it went on. It went to the Cyanide Game Studio who finished it, I think. What did Cyanide do? Cyanide did the... Uh, the sticks games about the little goblin. Oh guy. yeah. Okay. That's where they're, that's why they're familiar. Um, so, you know, they do like pretty good games that just don't have the budget to be like truly great. Um, but they have like some inventive mechanics and that's kind of how I felt about this one when it started. But I feel like there's an exact moment playing it where you're like, Oh, and here's where the money ran out. And it's like, <laughs> it's like three hours in and, the, and then the money ran out. Um, uh, and how many more hours are left after that three hours? I actually don't know because I quit. Um, I was like, I'm just not going to play it anymore. I was just, it wasn't even like fun. And cause the game takes a dramatic shift. The first three hours are like very reminiscent of it's haunted house investigation. Kind of like the la- dark corners of the earth, right? Like exactly. Exactly. It was a lot like dark corners of the earth when you started, like literally you arrive in a fishing village are you surprised weird. I remember the name of that game? <laughs> yes, I, I couldn't remember. It took uh, me a second. Uh, and yeah, you arrive in a fishing village and obviously everything's weird and there's like whales that have been killed by something really big. And you're like, okay, Gee, this I is like, what. this is setting up to be kind of spooky and stuff like that. And uh, it's got, you know, some typical psychological horror stuff where you start seeing visions and they do some stuff to play with your psychology, very much like Dark Corners of the Earth did where like you'll see things that'll kind of fuck you up. Um and they're just diving into that Cthulhu mythos. And then there's like a moment where it's like a culmination moment. And then after that, it turns into like a, almost like an outlast game where it's like, now you're just running and hiding from enemies and it just takes some really weird twists. And the stealth in it is so, so bad. Like the best parts of that game is when there aren't any enemies whatsoever which just, is a little interesting to me because they've made games that ostensibly have like a functional stealth system. Yeah, which is why it feels like some of it is like straight up what they uh, inherited from the Frogwares people, like from the stuff I've watched of the Sherlock Holmes games. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's like when you're exploring the world and just learning more about all the Cthulhu stuff and the messed up stuff that went down in this town, like that creates intrigue and stuff. But the stealth stuff is is pretty poor, especially cause it's all first person. Like I think the stick stuff works cause it's third person. Um, and oh, I thought that this was third person. It that's is, weird. it is not, there is a, so that's the weird part though. There is a, this game was announced in 2014 and was supposed to come out way earlier than it ended up ha- coming out. But right. Frogwares has since then announced a game that they, I don't think is called a Cthulhu game, but it is clearly a Cthulhu game. It's called the sunken city. And that one's coming out next year. That and that one is a third-person game, um, where you're like exploring like a somewhat small open world. So, it's just like a really weird history behind this game. Like I said, the first few hours seemed kind of interesting, but there's it's just like plagued with problems. Like the only way to progress through certain parts of the environment is to like pixel hunt. Basically, it feels like old Resident Evil to find the one thing you can grab and then 
use it on the objective and it's like really hidden it's not obvious where it's at at all and it isn't like rewarding to explore the environment and find it it just feels kind of arbitrary um and there's all kinds of optional things but it doesn't so i never saw it i guess maybe if i got to the ending i would have but it wasn't like i could see like tangible effects because i chose to do an optional quest and it would say this affects your destiny um and there's a whole character upgrade system that is supposed to work kind of like a deus ex game where it's like and i did see some of that that was like oh here's a door and it's locked i have to find the puzzle thing but because i had invested points in strength i could just break the door open but there's it's not like there was fighting or anything so there wasn't like a use for strength otherwise it's just in the very rare instance that there is a check against it this is when strength will come into play um but yeah just pretty disappointing because it 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 kind of started off really promising but I just feel like the best call through the game still remains the dark corners of the earth. And that game had its own, you know, plethora of issues as well. But it was when a game takes Bethesda's engine and makes Bethesda games look stable by comparison, you know that you're in for a real treat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just, or it's not, it does I, sound like a bad it's, thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's not great. Start like I said, starts off promising. Some of the voice acting is actually not bad. Some of the environments are actually pretty cool looking, but it's it's interesting to me because like it seems like a game that is treading some kind of similar ground in some ways as Vampire. Sure. Like but Vampire is much more functional, so that maybe is a game that you should check out. I have it downloaded. So yes, with the I didn't get very far. Like I think that the combat and still in that game is terrible. But um, um, they're apparently adding like a difficulty mode or something where the combat is made essentially trivial and you just play like story stuff. Also, I uh, when I was playing through Call of Cthulhu, I was like, man, these boxes look really familiar to me. And then I saw this shelf, and the moment I saw this shelf in the hospital stage of that game, I was like, Oh, I know why all this is familiar to me. Like the shelf was a hundred percent. It's because the asset store. Uh, no, it's actually assets from daylight. A hundred percent assets from the zombie game that I worked on. That's uh, so weird. All those assets got put up on the unreal store. And I can, I looked at the boxes that and stuff that we sold and I was like, Oh yeah, that is a hundred percent. The boxes in this game, it's a UE4 game. So they obviously bought the haunted hospital assets that the uh, zombie successor put on the store. So it was wow. re- it was really weird seeing a bunch of assets from a game I worked on in this other game in 2018. Uh, wow! Yeah, I what what do you even say to that? I I was I was as shocked as anyone. I mean, yeah. You know what you need to do right now? You need to go to Steam. And you need to search for the Blackout Club. Oh yeah, I have that added you need as to well. Install that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and my you wife to play it. have been watching Stranger Things. We had never watched it until recently. So. Same. I actually I had only watched a few episodes and then fell off. And then my partner got super into it. And so when we were in Michigan for a wedding uh, at the end of August, it was like, a reprieve. We just, like, binged it. Yeah. Yeah. We just binged the shit out of it. Yeah. She's not a big. Uh, well, she's a binger about some things, but this is when we find something we like, we tend to string it out one episode a night or two at the right. most. So, 
Yep. Uh, have you watched The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell? We have yeah. not yet, but I have explained the premise to her, and she was like, that sounds awesome. And I was like, okay. So I, I, I knew it sounded right up her alley. And it's up my alley, too. I like baking, and I think monster shit's cool. So um, I mean, it's Muppets. And I also saw that they added some of the old seasons of uh, Great British Baking Show. Oh, did they? Yeah, like, because, you know, like, the when we got that show in America on Netflix, it started on, like, I think what was British season three or something like that? Season three or four, yeah. I yeah, so, so they yeah. they went and added the back seasons. Oh. So, you can I get... I still haven't... We, we're, like, a, like, halfway through the first of the new seasons that they added, and actually it started to grow on us. Yeah, with um, the where, where Mary Berry's gone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched the first one of that, and I was like... All right, all right. I miss Mary Berry, but this ain't bad. So, yeah, I have you to thank for that show. You and a San Diego burrito and me being like, I am intrigued by this thing. Yeah, that was uh, last December, right? Yeah, yep. When I got back from San Diego with burritos. And then we just fucking marathoned it, me and my wife, so. To the point where she got sick of it. She was like, I don't even know if I want to watch it anymore. And I was like, oh, I'll always watch more. But then you started baking. It's true. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah. I wasn't um, that great at it, but... Blackout Club. I don't want to talk about it, I guess. I think that I briefly mentioned it during the live show that we recorded, but I want you to play it, and maybe we can play it together and then talk about it. Okay. Um, they're also... I, I guess they've done a couple of patches already for bugs and like pretty major quality of life issues that the game has. So um, that will probably be worth checking out. That sounds awesome. Um, should we read a few letters? Do we have letters to we read? Have, we have a few letters. Sure. Why not? Zach writes in, and he says, as I sit in my own personal hell, he says that because his, his uh, a fire is burning right next to his house. Um, Jesus. I have plenty of time to write dumb video game questions. What are some of the more recent games that are okay, that are okay with only taking a little of your time? I feel like more and more with battle passes and persistent leveling up that games try so hard to be the one game you play. And it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, how recent are we thinking? Here? I don't know. Did you feel Hitman was trying to be the one game you played? Um, I feel like Hitman is digestible. Like you can play a mission in like an hour or an hour and a half and then we'll step away and come back. Um, but it definitely wants you to play more of it. Like, it incentivizes all that. I don't know. Like, if you're looking for stuff to to respect your time, like, look at, like, certain indie stuff. Like, I think Celeste is an example of a game that you could play from this year that, like, you can go in and play, like, 20 or 30 minutes and get something cool out of it and then leave and come back again later. Or Dead Cells mm-hmm. is another game where I think that you could do, like, a couple of runs and, like, step away feeling like you didn't waste your time. I felt that way about XCOM 2 as well. It didn't want you to be the one game you played, but it was happy to have you come back. And then, But they knew that you'd do a run and move on to something else, and Ooh. that was okay. Return of the Obra Dinn, another indie game, like you said. It was just like I one need, and done. I still need to play that. Uh, I feel like, in some ways, Black Ops 4 might offer that. Like It's not hard to play like four or five rounds of Bobo. Mm-hmm. They did like, set their are... battle pass, though, today. Or like yesterday, so they're trying to be that to people, anyways. Does that what does that do? 
gets you skins and uh, emotes whatever. and allows you to buy. You can spend like $180 or something like that to max out your battle pass if you want to not play and progress it. Um, everybody saw that hot Dota money and was like, gosh, damn it. Dota's so smart. Um, but yeah, I feel like unless it's usually more story-driven stuff like God of War and stuff like that, that I feel like. And even, I don't know, like I, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but the way that I see people playing red dead, like is incredibly time consuming. I do not feel like that is the way that you have to play that game. Well, like you can just go in and do like some story missions. Not to mention once you finish the game, it's not like, I feel like they're not trying to make you stick with red dead for forever either. Like even if you did play it that way, you know, the multiplayer I, is still coming to be fair, but yeah, I'll be curious to see what that ends up being. I don't know. Grand Theft Auto online probably with horses. <laughs> I, that's what I assume. Uh, but I mean, you can play red dead and just play like a couple of missions and that, that'll be like an hour or play a mission for like half an hour and then walk away. Like you can walk away. You don't have to spend four hours fucking hunting and skinning deer in that game and crafting. Like, crafting is not necessary to finish that game. Hmm. Like, um, Uh, I don't know. Jacob writes in. He says, now that we know that Diablo 4 is still in development, what what are your hopes for this next installment? Even though it will most likely remain a top-down game, are there any other perspectives you would enjoy playing Diablo in? No. So it's kind of two questions. No, not at all. No, oh well, a different Diablo game maybe. If it was Diablo colon something, I could see being something else. Diablo Mortal. Well, I don't know. That's that's still a like an isometric sort of thing. I yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like Diablo's perspective is pretty key to the way in which you play it, like, mm-hmm. and the kind of game that it is. What about um, what about things that you want to be in the game? I don't even know. I feel like I didn't, I enjoyed Diablo three. I know you did as well. So for me, it's like new loot to get and new classes to play with new skills. That's really what I want. I mean, I guess the question is like, it seems like whatever Diablo four is, will have to be much more flexible to begin with than Diablo three was. Yeah. Because now like every version of Diablo that comes out has adventure mode just open right away. Yeah. Um, so that seems like a good idea. Like just a game that makes it easier to just fuck around and like go nuts. I I think that I'd like a story that feels better. Yeah. The story of D three was pretty underwhelming. I mean, the cutscenes were great. Like, like this, the rendered cutscenes were great. I just feel like, I think what I would like in Diablo that they absolutely won't do because it's not cost effective is for there to be more acts and for you to spend less time in each place. Because I feel like by the time I got to the end of each act in Diablo, I was like, fuck, thank God I'm almost at a new place. Like I got a little burned out on where I was. Um, and so I think that I would like, I would like more variety, but it's easy to say that when I'm not the person paying millions of dollars to like make another level. Like it is extremely expensive for them to make what they're making. Um, 
and every time you add like a new sort of tile set and a new sort of environmental theme like it just like it's just starting over basically so there's a good reason for why it is the way it is and there's plenty of variety in that game but i would like to not feel exhausted by a setting before i get to the next one are you taking notes you isometric action rpg making motherfucker are there most of my day is spent in the company discord getting ideas from people and then sometimes explaining to people why I, I don't like their idea. Most people we politely disagree. So it's actually been fairly nice. You're polite. Uh, when I, when I'm talking to people as part of my work, you, when your job depends on it, you're damn right. I'm polite. <laughs> when, when rent depends on it. I was telling some people there's been times that I've definitely started to type things and been and had like uh, that moment where like in my mind I go oh, my job and then I just it's then like just close it. You stop for a second and on one shoulder is Anthony in a white suit and on the other shoulder is Anthony in a red suit and it's like yeah let's just fucking get fired so yeah no 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 what about your integrity yeah no I have to and it was like what about your rats um okay let's see. Let's see if I can find. Okay, Brent wrote in. Uh, he says, "I'm a technical director working for the AFL's media department, Australian Football League. It's like the NFL but more freeform and way less head trauma." I'm listening to last week's podcast. I heard Arthur mention that Arthur Australia has very strict censorship laws. That was me. While this is true to some degree, such as the rebooted Mortal Kombat Hotline Miami being denied entry and certain parts of the Stick of Truth being cut. I think you're more remembering a 90s to early 2000s era. Um, so he says, censorship isn't what you all you imagine, and we get every major game releases you do. I can't think of any game recent memory aside from South Park, The Stick of Truth, that changed content for us. We Happy Few was initially refused because it incentivized drug use, but was classified as R18+, plus, uh, which is something they introduced only in 2013 for games. So that sounds like why it's changed. That's the I mean, you, yeah, he this. literally just mentioned games that could not get published or that had to change their content. I don't right. Well, um, well, it's it seems like yeah, 2013. And if that's gotten better, like that's great. 2013 is when it changed because, for example, games that became R18 plus include The Last of Us, Witcher Three, Doom, Wolfenstein. So, right. That's. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I don't feel like I meant it as an insult. Oh no, I don't think he. I don't think he took it as an insult. Um, he I also remember the context. He also sent a discussion. correction for me, which someone else sent a correction, despite the fact that we've said don't send corrections. But he said, uh, I'm wrong about losing heat, more heat from your head. Metal Gear lied to me. It's 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 directly proportional to how much skin you have showing. It is not. So uh, I lose more heat from my head. Than I do. Than yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for more now. important for you to believe. Yes. I've, I've seen my dad. It is for now. I've gotten to the point as I get into my upper 30s now where occasionally I like run my hand through my hair and I see like a like a bird's nest come away and I'm like... <gasps> you can do, Man, you're still at the point where you can do something about it. I strongly urge you to do something about it. Yeah. That stuff works. It does work if you do it now. So let that be a piece of advice to our listeners. If you're going bald and you want to do something about it, you should do something about it imminently as opposed to waiting until 
it's, it's like bad. it's like really bad and you're like wait I th- maybe i can save it it's like well it's best at stopping it from happening than it is at m- helping it grow back sure that makes sense um and i think that's gonna do it we'll do more letters next time but um it's thursday night it's eight o'clock and i'm gonna go in and say hi to my wife <laughs> i'm gonna play some battlefield and then go see nazi zombies i yeah, i'm not totally sure what overlord is i just know that it looked cool when it's reviewing well and i like to go see movies i heard jj abrams made it i know that's not true he he produced it yeah. it's a bad robot movie yeah i am curious um, about it it looked the previews made it look kind of intriguing but the previews i also found were really good at not giving away that much yeah, I think that as it's gotten a little closer, it's gotten a little bit more crappy about giving things away, but I still am not <laughs> yeah, like really sure goes. what's going on. That's like, I don't know if it's science or supernatural or both. I see. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I hope that it's gory, but not so gory that I need to just like take a deep breath and look away at parts. I feel like you should be fine with whatever level of gore it is, Arthur, because you... Dude, made... you never know when a movie is going to be too much. Like, uh, I thought you showed me the movie that was too much. So That movie is so... Like, The Night Comes for Us is so ridiculously over the top. <sighs> it's not presented in a realistic way at all. It, it oh was... my god, Kat, you were too cute. And ow, your claws. Ow. It was still a challenge yeah. for me. Yeah, I still haven't finished that movie. I'm only like halfway the through. The Night Comes for it's... Us is a really cool action movie from Malaysia? Somewhere? Yes. Okay. No, Indonesia. Indonesia. And... It stars a lot of people that have been in the Raid films. But, whew. I don't know. There was a couple parts when I watched the Raid that I was like, oh. And in this, it was just like, oh, oh, oh. And then you don't even realize you're screaming anymore. <laughs> It's just a clockwork orange <laughs> on my couch, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all right, though. All right. Well, um, we'll take us out. All right. I'm at Chuff Money on Twitter and, and on Twitch. Arthur's at A-E-G-I-E-S on Twitter, on Twitch, and on Patreon. Patreon.com slash A-E-G-I-E-S. You could chuck Arthur some bucks because he's always editing the show. You want grateful motherfuckers. And um, running some live streams, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And uh, you can also find him at Pragmagic on Instagram. James is at James underscore Faulkner on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, Matt's at Talking Orange. And it's letters at eat-sleep-game.com if you want to send in your own letters to be scrutinized. Um, so thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, be kind to each other. It's important. We're out. Staring at your own reflection Thinking of the things that you've done You're hoping for a change of direction Or maybe just a place in the sun